Welcome once again, my Sega brothers and sisters, to another episode of the Sega Guys. We're back again, giving you that Sega chat that you love so much. And with me as ever, it's the Sub Zero to my Scorpion. It's James the Sega Holic. How you doing, mate? I'm very well, mate. Hey, Sub Zero's not get any lines. You know, it's like, just rips your head off. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I was thinking in, in the Mega Drive games, they're not really mates, are they? They're like they want to kill each other. It's not until. It's not until the later Mortal Kombat games, I don't think that they're a bit more they're on better terms. After, they, after they've already killed each other a few times. Aye, they've, they've threw a few tournaments and kicked the dung at each other a few times. It's like, <laughs> do, you, do you want to be my friend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like, we've done, we've done this a bit too long now, haven't we, mate? Aye. down the pub. Aye. How many more decapitations and spears through the chest can there be before you know, <laughs> just like, get a bye? You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like that. It ends up like that. That gif. Have you seen it? Scorpion uses his uh, spear to bring a beer over, and Sub Zero pulls it down. <laughs> no, I've not seen that, but that's oh, work. <laughs> <laughs> this is like brutality at the bottom. Oh, I, that's the, the ultimate friendship, right there, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's, it. <laughs> yeah, you need, especially especially the weather around here lately. You need Sub Zero to cool your drinks down. No up here, mate. <laughs> um, I uh, see because I'm still working from home, right? And my my work team is all across like, different parts of the country, but primarily down south. Um, and the last few weeks have been brutal because all they're doing is going on and saying. Oh, look at the sunshine. Oh, it's 32 degrees here. And I'm looking outside my window and I'm going, yeah, it's pushing it down here. It's like, we've had a couple of days on, a couple of days off of decent weather, but no prolonged run of anything like what's been happening down south with the kind of the red warning heat waves and stuff like that. Now we don't get that. We're all pale-skinned and ginger up here, so we just don't cope. <laughs> we, don't, we don't cope with, with sunshine very well, so um, no, nothing like that for me, mate. I don't need Sub-Zero. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I, uh, I love the pick you sent me the other day. It was like, just one word, summer. And it was just rain. Aye. I sitting in my window and I just, um, you hear that kind of white noise kind of sound. I looked at the window and I'm like, ah, that's another downpour. And that's, I just put the phone at the window and went, see, we spoke about in the last episode. I just send you absolute mundane crap on WhatsApp. <laughs> Here's a picture out my window. It's raining. Yeah, <laughs> it's well, like, you know, not doing that British stereotype where we always talk about the weather any good, are we? Uh, I know, it's like <laughs> Americans tuning in going, why are these guys talking about weather? That's, that's the thing with Brits, we talk about football, weather and cues. Yeah. <laughs> it's all part of our heritage. Aye, we grew up with it, mate. We can't, we can't be denied it, that's it. We cannot, but you know what? Rainy weather, it's perfect for playing a few Sega games, mate, so... Exactly, and uh, nothing nothing more so than the, the stuff we've been delving into in recent weeks. In, indeed, mate, and I think, uh, yeah, if, if you haven't seen the, the topic of today's conversation, then we're talking about mods, uh, so mods, remakes, retro retro changes and updates and releases on uh, on old consoles to make to make those those classics that we love so much even better. And mate, there's some seriously impressive stuff out there. 
Oh, aye. Um, I think, you know, the, the Mega Drive scene in particular, um, and I think that will feature, you know, quite heavily in the, the kind of the three that we've both picked each. Um, but, you know, the, the stuff that they're doing is is phenomenal work, whether it's, you know, changing colour palettes, adding better sound, fixing animations, you know, or just basically merging different games together and, and creating whole new experiences, um, or even porting games that never even came out, yeah. you know, that, that were considered to be too too enhanced for, for the hardware that, that they're actually porting them over to. It's, it's crazy to see what the mod scene are doing um, and there's some seriously talented people out there and we're going to shine a, a light on some of their work if you've not heard about them already. Yeah, it, some of the stuff just blows me away, mate. I mean, do you see, we, obviously we've seen what came out back in the day and we, we talk about and we play it a lot and then you see stuff that comes out now on these and these mods and these fixes and these updates and these remasters. I mean, you re- remastering a Mega Drive game on, on Mega Drive hardware is, <laughs> is insane, really. But, you know, I, I do wonder what, what, what you know, it, that how these coders, obviously they're extremely talented, but then the guys in the 90s were extremely talented. But I think sometimes it is just the, the what they're working with, you know, whether it's time, whether it's tools, whether that's, you know, we'll probably get onto, you know, one of the remakes later, but the the guy's talking about how it's going to be like a a, a sixty four meg <laughs> cartridge, <laughs> basically. I I think whenever I done a bit of kind of reading as well, um, and kind of a lot of folk were. I think it was actually one of Sega Lord X's videos actually, um, and he did a video on one of the games that that that's in you know or six. Um, you know, and it was talking about, you know, um, this is the version we should have had back in the day. And some of the comments were saying, well, I, that, that's a, a fair way to, to put it. But you need to remember that it wasn't constraints in terms of talent. It was more like in terms of budget, you know, to to create a game of, of that kind of size at that point in time. When, I mean, you're talking about these cartridges were like 50 quid, 60 quid anyway. Yeah. Um, to To also manufacture mass produce and then sell you know cartridges of that size um your games would have been approaching probably close to 100 quid um so i think it wasn't so much in terms of a technical aspect i think it it was clear that mega drive could handle these 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 enhancements but the, i think it was more in terms of budget um, and developers were basically given a, a finite amount of, of memory to work with and they basically had to fit the best they could into to what they were given. Yeah, I agree, mate. Um, I think I think that's probably the major aspect there. I mean, yeah, Sega Lord X himself in a lot of videos and you'll say, oh, this is a fantastic game, but it came on a tiny four megabyte cart. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, he's got a point because if the carts were bigger, then you know you'll be able to get more data on there, more animation, more backgrounds, and more content on there, uh, and higher quality, less compression, etc. But uh, it's like you say, these carts weren't you know small just for the fun of it. It was uh, it's, it was a cost cutting exercise. You know the the the, the hardware that because cartridges are kind of I mean software on a on a piece of hardware basically <laughs> like an optical disc. You know that cost you know you could grab those for fifty p. You know, being like midway through the place now, you know, <laughs> cartridges were, you know, there was a manufacturing cost. There was, a, you know, shipping and everything was a lot more, more prominent. So, yeah, anything they could do to cut costs, which is frustrating. 
because you look at cart- games on small cartridges and they've definitely got cutbacks uh, and you do see it a lot with these but um yeah it's it's frustrating but you can you, you kind of understand it as well i mean yeah that at the end of the day games companies are there to make a profit more than anything else but uh one thing i was thinking of um was i was reading about the master system the other day and because I, I wrote a piece in the blog about the master system and Mark Cerny had a quote in there because he was working at Sega at the time. Uh, and this is when, I don't know if it was Sega, it wouldn't have been Sega Technical Institute then, but he was working for Sega. And he was saying how they were asked, because the Master System didn't have any third-party support, or barely had any, because the NES had it all, had a monopoly on it. Uh, they were being asked to turn around you know, games quickly. And they were, on average, turning around Master System games in six weeks. Jesus. <laughs> So these guys weren't working on a like an, in, a, a, an infinite time frame. I think some of these some of these mods have taken very talented people, you know, a couple of years to like gestate and improve and get to the point where they are where they are. And these these teams, I don't think anyone can really you know scoff at the talent that Mark Cerny has. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they were they were being uh, they were being you know rushed out the door in 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 just a few weeks. You know, you, you kind of get that sort. Of, it's like the old bedroom coders for the eight bits, mate. They, they they were under similar pressure, so I think time as well was a massive reason why you know what we what we're getting now is an improvement of what we had then. Mm-hmm. Just one that that kind of point you made there about time constraints actually just reminded me of uh, a conversation I had during the time we were away. It was a to and fro. Um, on YouTube, believe it or not, uh, it was uh, I was playing a lot of Manx TT, and I was looking at kind of like uh, YouTube videos of Manx TT just to kind of see what people were saying about it today. And there was a video there, um, a playthrough video, um, and somebody actually commented saying that they were one of the coders on the game that worked at Tantalus, um, and they were unaware that Psygnosis had anything to do with it. Now. I then replied to the guy and listed off the... I actually played the game through, finished first so I could get the credits, so I could <laughs> so I could write them down. And I put the, the credits in the comments, um, and the guy actually came back and said certain things about certain people. They didn't really go on with one particular person, and um, he did say so. They were basically glorified um, kind of playtesters, essentially, Psygnosis. They didn't have any input into the actual kind of coding of the game. Um, and I'll get to the point of how this relates to what you just said in a second. Um, that's tangent <laughs> number one. Um, but uh, what he was saying is that I replied and said, so did you work on the House of the Dead port for the for the Saturn? And he came back and said that, um, yeah, he was involved in it, but the original time frame they were given to port House of the Dead to the Saturn was three months. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I remember you telling me this. Three <laughs> months. insane. Three months with penalties for non-completion. So that sort of um, explains why House of the Dead uh, is the way it is on the Saturn. Um, they were working under an extremely tight you know, deadline to get that out. They didn't come back to me and say when they'd done it in, but that was the time frame they were given. Um, and that was quite shocking to see that that was the case. Um, but it does explain a lot of things. So, aye, um, 
time constraints, budgetary constraints, that kind of thing, all very commonplace uh, in video games. I think developers today have got it, I wouldn't say easy because of the way things were during the pandemic, but they certainly have the advantage of digital distribution and patches and stuff like that, that they don't need to worry about getting their, their stuff right first time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think House of the Dead's an interesting one as well because um, I can't imagine that they had access to the uh, to the Saturn tools. Uh, God, what I can't remember what the tools were called now, but the the, the, the development kit that uh, AM2 created. Oh, uh, the the Sega Graphics Library. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, the Sega yeah. Graphics Library. So you know, a, a lot of these 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 modders do have access to the, the latest firmware and stuff. I think a massive example for maybe one of the ones that we, some of the ones that we're going to pick are sound drivers um, make a massive mm-hmm. difference. So yeah, I think that's probably why we see them. But um, you know, that's not taking anything away from from the stuff that these guys do, um, and they seem to be able to to you know mod things on on everything we've seen things from you know master system mods new master system games all the way up to you know through the mega drive which uh, it's probably the most popular one that saturn and even dreamcast we're seeing things of mm-hmm. that's crazy it's it seems that i mean that the saturn's obviously not benefited in terms of kind of mods that i can think of to enhance like features or gameplay or but the main thing with the Saturn has has really benefited is because of the vast Japanese library is the the fan mod work to do English translations oh, you know yeah. you know Grandia Shining Force 3 scenario 2 and 3 um Castlevania Symphony of the Night they've even in fact well there's one on Saturn that does have a fan mod that enhanced the gameplay there's a 4 megabyte ram cartridge hack yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So that it's an English mod plus the four megabyte RAM expansion to make that game far better on Saturn than, than it was. Um, so it's just crazy, and you know, I still live in hope that one day that these really talented people will do Sega Gaga because I would love to play that. Oh yeah, I'd absolutely love to as well because yeah, the, the translation community has been absolutely outstanding. Like the MVPs, just being able to play some of these games. I've been, I've been trying to patch uh, Grandia for uh, for my Fenrir uh, in the in the last couple of days. Uh, moving on to Luna as well and do the Shining Force free scenarios. Um, all of those uh, absolutely essential, I think. And yeah, hats off to the translation guys. Uh, you know, not just not just coding expertise, but you know the knowledge and understanding of Japanese is just mm-hmm. uh, really phenomenal. And yeah, there's so many games that we're deprived of as Western Saturn owners and you know English, English speakers. Um, it's going to be great to to play through all of those. Oh, hundred percent, mate! But I mean, it's great work. Absolutely astounding. And then stuff like uh, the, the Doom Resurrection on the 32X. I don't know how much you've... you've I mean, Doom on the 32X, I think, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, plays really well. It's actually... I actually play it more than any other version of Doom. <laughs> I just... Because it's got the... Uh, I don't own a copy myself. I play it through the EverDrive. Uh, but sometimes I'll just, you know, boot the uh, boot the Mega Drive on with the 32X mushroom hanging out the top uh, and stick Doom on. And uh, I've changed that to the Resurrection version now because the original is... It's kind of like half a game, really cut back, uh, missing like the last couple of episodes, um, to loads of levels missing, um, and then this restores all the content and makes loads of other improvements as well. It's it's, it's still on a 32x as well, which is, <laughs> you know, it's not just a Mega Drive and another. Co- it's it's not just a console. It's the Mega Drive hardware that you got to 
you know, manipulate as well as the 32X hardware, which has a, a lot more in common with the Saturn than, <laughs> than most would believe. So. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like again getting those two systems talk to each other to deliver a mod like that is just crazy. You just think the work that must have went into that. Yeah, it's it's this sort of stuff, mate. It's like thank God for uh, for for flashcards like the the EverDrive um, and your ODEs for the Saturn and the Dreamcast because they they give us the opportunity to play these games on real hardware. Yeah, and that's the thing as well because as great as emulation is, and, and there's definitely a place for it. Um, me personally, I I still love to. It just completes for me the the feel of the game to, to hold the original controller and look over and see like a Mega Drive or a Saturn or a Dreamcast sitting there. For some people, they may not have that kind of emotional connection to the to the plastic that the, the game is running on, but um, that's why these ODEs and, and EverDrives are just, you know, absolute godsends. The, the, these, the, the, kind of the, the retro community is, again, super talented people that are giving us, you know, ways to you know, future proof our, our machines and give us, you know, ways to to play, you know, games off SD cards and stuff like that. So uh, it's just brilliant, brilliant stuff that there's just so much going on. Just now the retro community is just thriving. I know it's 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 the thing is you like twenty twenty odd years ago when the Saturn was on its last legs in the West and the Dreamcast was coming out and you had all these untranslated games like Grandier and Shining Force Three and Luna that would you know, that you never thought were going to come over to the West. And obviously, officially, they didn't. But the fact that you're able to play these on your Saturn console in English and enjoy them exactly as, as you know, as you could have done if they were translated natively, it's, uh, it's, it's yeah, as you say, mate, godsend is it's absolutely spot on. Yeah. No, so, I mean, the, the, the list that we've got here is... There's there's no there's no fan kind of translations in there. All the ones that we've picked, I think, are pretty much the the quite dramatically changed. Oh, yeah. I think I've got a fan translation. I've got get um you know they all kind of dramatically enhance the game anyway. So, um, which which who wants to go first, mate? Um, I think I'll go first. I think you've got a much more exciting list than mine, but I think the three that I've got, um. So I'll go, then you go, then, you know, we'll, we'll do it that way. But the That's three fine, that I've got, I think, are the ones that I've played the most. Right. Um, and I'm going to start with one, uh, and that's Sonic 3 Complete. <laughs> right, now, okay. Um, it's, it's pretty much celebrated around as the best way to play Sonic 3 and Knuckles on original hardware. Um, I think Sonic 3 Air, which is a PC port, is probably in some ways better but uh what sonic 3 complete does is obviously sonic 3 was two games you had sonic the hedgehog 3 which released in february 94 um rushed out so that sega could meet with their their mcdonald's marketing tie <laughs> with, with, the, with the brilliant happy meal toys <laughs> and then uh sonic and knuckles which is the second half of the game which released uh november 94 um so you basically got the full game by plugging sonic 3 in the top um Obviously, Sonic 3, extremely controversial. See Sonic Origins for its music. And because it had uh, in, in the involvement of Mike, uh, a certain Michael Jackson involved in that. So a lot of the music when he plugged in Sonic and Knuckles was changed. 
Ah, so right, feel, okay. So the title theme changed, but I don't think that was because of any involvement of MJ, but stuff like uh, the, the boss themes, uh, Knuckles' theme, uh, a few of those all changed. Uh, also, when you plug in Sonic and Knuckles in the top, you, you, lose, uh, you lose one of the bosses uh, at the end of Sonic 3. Um, so there never really was an ultimate way to play those games until Sonic 3 came complete came out. So what it does is you put it up. I've got it on my on my EverDrive, and I've played it through a couple of times. You uh, get a splash menu before you open up, and that says, all right, so what Goron system do you want? Uh, what music do you want? Uh, it gives you so many options. And then you can play basically play Sonic 3 and Knuckles however you like. Um, I like to stick in the, uh, the, the old knuckles music and the old mini boss music then <laughs> <laughs> because it just sounds so much better to me um but yeah it's it's it sounds like um it sounds like a simple enhancement really just giving you the games as they were as they were meant to be uh like if well, the best version of those games but i think sonic origins just shows that that's just not something that is easily done uh, Sonic, Sonic, uh, the original cartridges, as you say, as I said, they have their issues. Um, have different layouts. I mean, Sonic Free Complete even lets you play the zones in a different order, because originally stuff like Flying Battery was meant to come in before previous zones. Um, because, but because the game got split in two, they had to reshuffle the plane order so you can get to play it in its original guise. Um, it seems, yeah, as I say, it seems simple, but you know, it's Sonic Jam, Sonic Origins, every Sonic compilation or re-release of them hasn't given this sort of this sort of treatment. So, being able to do all that just just makes it an absolute winner for me. And you know, mate, I'm just I'm such a massive Sonic fan. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to lap it up. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I mean, whenever you mentioned Sonic Jam, there, that was the first thing that kind of came to mind because obviously Sonic Jam as well has that kind of nice little splash screen whenever you, you pick Sonic and Knuckles and you pick the cartridge you want to put into it and it does the animation, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, that, that kind of, that's the, the image I had in my head. I've not tried Sonic 3 Complete, but um, I will definitely be on to whenever you get your perfectly legal um, <laughs> games to, to try that out. Um, that definitely sounds interesting. No, it's, it's 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 brilliant, mate. I mean, Sonic Jam's a funny one because, unlike say, uh, Sonic Origins, it's obviously got all the Sonic Three tunes on there. So mm-hmm. if you played Sonic Three on its own in Sonic Jam, you've got all the um, uh, all the original tunes. But uh, yeah, you can't have an option to play with those uh, that original music in uh, Sonic Three and Knuckles. And this this mod lets you do that it's uh it's 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 it's, 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 it's brilliant it's just like the the little things the little quality of life improvements all the little mm-hmm. options you just play exactly how you want so yeah that's probably that's probably my the one that i played the most out of all of them um it's just the little things and yeah everything you read is the best way to play it so yeah i shall send you a link to that one my friend good stuff look forward to that <laughs> and what was your what would your first pick be well my first one is is uh, a mod which I followed the progress of really closely on YouTube, and it's uh, it's Master Linkway's Mortal Kombat Arcade on the Mega Drive. Um, this is an absolutely insane piece of work. This guy has painstakingly ripped apart this this game and has improved it all ends up. 
um, new graphics details, timing improvements, sound samples, um, new animations, um, like the courtyard monks, they they move and, and Shang Tsung actually his head will follow the the fight and whenever you fight in his red room mm-hmm. with the he sits in the throne he actually he'll follow the fight left to right he didn't do that in the the normal version um uh what have we got else as well shang sung's he, he claps as well in the main courtyard yeah. the first one he, at the end of a round he actually applauds that wasn't in there he's added 80 plus sound samples from the arcades um because from memory you didn't get you know the you know sub zero wins flawless victory yeah fatality you didn't get all of them um and he's put all of those back in the audio has been improved the color palette has been completely changed to make it more authentic to the arcade version um you know he's kind of tweaked little details in the backgrounds as well cleaned those up uh, and the one that just stands out to me um most of all is sub-zero stance has been corrected because in the mega drive to save obviously memory um scorpion and sub-zero both have scorpions stance it's just obviously a, a, a palette swap yellow for blue um but Everyone who's played Mortal Kombat in the arcades will know um, that Sub-Zero stance is very different. He's got one hand by his side and one hand up by his face. Um, He's not like Scorpion, who's got a hand above his head like a scorpion's tail. So all of that's been changed and it is incredible. Yeah, it's it's such a good... I mean, the, the Mega Drive version was always, for me, the better home version anyway because of the, the more authentic arcade kind of feel to it. But... This just takes it to another level. Um, you know, even the, the the bio screens at the start have all been reworked. They're closer to the arcade. The the character selection screen has been dramatically cleaned up. The palettes on the the portraits of the fighters have all been replaced and changed. Um, when you move the the actual you know, cursor around your, your fighter for who you're selecting, it makes that kind of chime that choo, 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 whenever you move it. You know, all of that stuff's all been you know, added back in. And again, you've got to think what kind of size of cartridge that would have came on to fit all that on there. Yeah. But it's it's the definitive um, 16-bit version of the game. I completely agree, mate. That one, um, I remember you showing it to me. And I think the first thing that jumped out, uh, I think the first thing that you shouted out about was the difference in stances. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this is one, you know, where the cart size really did come into it because... I can only think that they just copied Scorpion's uh, with Sub Zero, no Scorpion Sprite, wasn't it for uh, yeah for both characters just to save on save on storage, um, and the and the sound and music as well is uh, yeah definitely something that was massively missing, and I imagine that took a, a lot of space as well. So I imagine it's a pretty well if it came on a cartridge, it would be a pretty hefty file these days, probably. I. <laughs> <laughs> some some bloody size to fit all those all those audio samples, um. Because even daft wee things like um, like, like Raiden, whenever he, he does his, <laughs> his, his Superman punch across the screen, and he goes that like, he yeah. flies across. <laughs> that wasn't in there, but he's added that back in. So, um, it's just all these we we kind of quality. You called them like with Sonic Three Complete. You called them quality of life improvements. Yeah. Um. It's just those wee touches. Um, and even the loading screen, whenever you, you start it up, he's actually put on, <coughs> excuse me, the um, 
the kind of arcade poster where it says so real it hurts yeah so yeah. so that that's the splash team that it loads to so honestly it's an absolutely brilliant version the the absolute definitive 16-bit version of mortal kombat yeah i agree that it's always been the best version of i've never played the mega cd version and i heard that's very good but i uh, always thought it was that the even when you put aside the blood the mega drive versions play better than the super nintendo version um in fact i can't think of another version that that's better than the Mega Drive, so let alone 16-bit. Because um, I actually love the music on the Mega Drive version oh, as well. Oh, absolutely amazing. See that? I think the the Mega Drive version, that that, that intro, um, the kind of title screen, the bass on it is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, absolutely brilliant. So that that's my first choice, mate. Fantastic choice. Absolutely brilliant, mate. Okay, so my for my second one, um, I'm going to go with the Streets of Rage series. Uh, and this is another very, very light um, mod, but it's a, it's a translation mod for Bare Knuckle 3. So I don't know how much you've played Streets of Rage 3, mate. I've not played as much of that one as I have of the first two, but I do know the kind of the kind of history behind Bare Knuckle in terms of Streets of Rage three, and it wasn't the kind of greatest port. They ramped the difficulty up, they changed the colours for some of the fight the the characters as well. So, um, what we got is Streets of Rage three isn't really representing you know as a great representation of you know, what the Japanese got in terms of Bare Knuckle 3. So is it right that this this kind of mod changes all of that? It's more like the kind of, again, like a definitive version of it? Yeah, it, it's it's mainly that it's a translation. So when it came up, when Streets of Rage 3 was, uh, you know, brought back up, brought over to the West, um, it obviously they ramped the difficulty up at the time they were trying to get into the uh into the rental market more they wanted people to you know the the rental market was huge for sega so they wanted games to be hard so you have to go back and give them another you know three quid or five dollars or whatever it was that people were paying because you couldn't beat it uh, i remember my mate bought streets of rage free over to mine and we were playing through it and we we're just getting absolutely annihilated it actually i actually came <laughs> this actually came to my attention playing um I got uh, a repro of Streets of Rage 3. I mean, the the, the real game's like 150 quid. Uh-huh. I had Streets of Rage 1 and 2. Uh, I had four uh, for the Switch. And I thought, well, I need three. And I'm not paying 150 quid for it. So I saw a, this like little reproduction that I got from uh, from China. It, it looks decent. It comes with a little color manual and everything. So I thought I put it in. I thought it's still horribly... It's not even that it's hard. Like enemies have really long life bars, so <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's just not very entertaining because they take ages to get to beat down. Um, so someone showed me that there was a, a Bare Knuckle Free translation. So the thing about Bare Knuckle Free is that the, the story between that and Streets of Rage Free are completely different. Whereas Streets of Rage Free is all about um, someone re- replacing the mayor and uh, all politicians with robots. <laughs> Um, in a in in a, in, a, in a little town, um, <laughs> bare knuckle free starts with someone setting off a, a nuclear bomb and then trying to take uh, kidnap the president. So, <laughs> hmm. right. So I, the, the the actual story has been completely watered down, basically. Yeah, it's interesting because the Streets of Rage Four actually follows the bare knuckle free story, not the Streets of Rage Three story. Well, no wonder. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
the story is a lot better. Uh, it's been translated really well, and that just makes it a much more approachable game uh, as a player. And Bare Knuckle Free, Streets of Rage Free, I, I'm not a massive fan of, um, but Bare Knuckle Free, absolutely loved playing it from there. And uh, yeah, I, I played for it all the way through a couple of times in the last couple of years since I, since I got hold of this translation. It's fantastic. So the the presentation of it, or I mean, translation isn't just, you know, translating a text, but getting it to display correctly and everything. So anyone that does a translation has to get the plaudits for that. But um, yeah, it's a fantastic, it's it's absolutely seamless. It's just, it's just the way Streets of Rage 3 is meant to be played is this way. Um, so yeah, completely recommend that one, mate. Another one to to add to the list. Oh, yeah, okay. There's going to be there's going to be plenty for you and our and our listeners <laughs> to enjoy from from these ones. I mean, there's so many, mate, that we could go through. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll just pick pick our, our top three for now, and and then one that we're looking forward to that's on the horizon. I think. Oh yeah, and and the one that we've we've got coming up is is I think the kind of the one at the end that we'll talk about that we're both looking forward to is possibly the the most impressive example yet so um, I think with that in mind we're going to take a, a little break just now, something new that we're going to we're going to bring into future episodes is we're going to break off halfway through and, and kind of bring in, in, in kind of tune with the fact that we're on Radio Sega, uh, we're going to play a little bit of music from one of the games that we've, we've spoken about um, so Dan which, which piece of music are we going to play for the listeners just now? So obviously we've been talking about it just now, but the the attract mode sequence from Mortal Kombat, that iconic tune pumped up by the Mega Drive bass, uh, that's what we'll be playing. So listeners, enjoy. to that one saying get over here topping in the old abacab password <laughs> weren't you <laughs> I, ab- abacab was it abacab b or abacab c wasn't it? Was it? i think it was ab- abacab b wasn't it Aye. and the, the screen goes red <laughs> it means that you've been a naughty boy and you're looking at the blood that you're not supposed to yeah <laughs> the, the, the nintendo changed for sweat <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, as we were saying, mate, made even better by the uh, by this new mod. Fantastic. So we just did uh, my second game, which was Bare Knuckle 3 translated. Mm-hmm. So what's your second choice for uh, modded games? So my second choice is Shenmue Undub. Um, and this is what is called the definitive edition, um, which is is an absolutely again fantastic fan mod. Um, Shenmue on the Dreamcast when it came out, um, obviously in the PAL regions, the there was no option to play obviously in Japanese with English subtitles, um, and that's exactly what this does. Um, but it's not just that there's a lot of kind of localization tweaks um for example the jet cola uh and the was it they called it again the the fruda um fruit drinks and jet soda have been replaced with you know authentic coca-cola fanta and sprite cans when you use a vending machine um and they've also just kind of tidied up some of the the kind of subtitle work that's on there so um obviously you could turn on English subtitles and play it with English audio on the, the stock version, but um, some of the kind of translation was a bit kind of, you know, janky at best. Uh, one of the examples on, on here that I've sort of taken down is the original line is showing as, please tell me the gamble. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the revised line has been changed to, please help me do better at gambling. So it's just little kind of tweaks um, to the, the localization of it. Um, and as we kind of touched on in, in the kind of return episode, I've been playing a lot of Shenmue 2, and Shenmue 2 obviously doesn't have an English dub on the Dreamcast. It wasn't until the original Xbox that, you know, Corey came back in and did his audio for that. Um, but I've always found Shenmue to be more of an authentic experience playing it with Japanese audio. Um, so now being able to play the first game, but actually you know have that same experience that we got with Shenmue 2 um plus the benefits of the extra localization plus bringing back in things like you know the the branding now whether Ryu drinks you know jet soda or, or you know co- actual genuine coca-cola <laughs> is is here nor there that's not going to but it's just wee things that you see that were taken out for it to come to the west that have been put back in again um and again, it's just, it's, it's a great way to play it. Uh, and that's, you know, there's no any kind of real gameplay tweaks or kind of colour palette changes or anything like that. It's still, in a sense, you know, in essence, the exact same Shenmue that, that we all know and love, but it's just, it's called the, the Undub Definitive Edition. Um, and it's absolutely, for me, the, the best way to play Shenmue 1 if you do prefer that kind of more you know, Eastern authenticity of, of hearing, you know, the, the Japanese uh, dialect being spoken. It's just another example, isn't it, mate, with those, just the, just the, just those little things, just something so simple. Um, and I say simple again, it's taken a lot of work to get it there, but, you know, just switching the audio just makes such a difference. Just restoring those original, you know, as, as you say, whether, whether he drinks Coke or Jet Cola, it's not a massive deal, but it's <laughs> it still adds to the, the and, and Shenmue is all about atmosphere, so that these little things do make a difference. Um, if you just say, "Oh, yeah, this is better because it, it, it's it's been you know put we've got the tra- Japanese voice track back in there and uh, we've got the the brands back in," someone would just look at you and maybe shrug if they didn't really know. But it's, <laughs> in a way, it's kind of like Crazy Taxi, you know, when the brands yeah. come out there. 
Mm-hmm. It's a, it, it feels like a different game. Yeah. That that's a good that is a great, great comparison because, you know, obviously whenever you play it on a Dreamcast, you know, you know, take me to the Feeler store or take me to Pizza Hut, <laughs> take me to Tower Records, and it's take me to the pizza store. I wanna buy some jeans. It's like nah, nah. <laughs> No, it's like, it's funny, we both thought Feeler stuff as the first thing I thought was Feeler Store is the one that you said. It's um, <laughs> do you see I don't, we're going on another tangent now, but you see uh, for the Sonic movie too, they actually feeler actually launched some Sonic sneakers. That they like bright red ones with the <laughs> white strap over the top. So my advice. So I, yeah, I replied to the Sonic account just with a gif with someone running to the taxi going, "Take me to the feeler store." <laughs> <laughs> but oh, oh, but yeah, I mean that, that's a prime example. You know, um, you know, brands being in there like. If you take the the offspring and bad religion out of Crazy Taxi, it just isn't the same game. So it's it's amazing how the sounds and sights that you see in a game, if they're not there, um, it can just kind of take that wee bit of immersion. And you know, and that's what Shenmue especially, you know, that that whole immersion, that that living, breathing world that, you know, again, you know, speaking to you know, you know, Jason, you know. Good, good friend of ours as well, um, Jason Madison, and, and he was saying about you know Shenmue. It's like he speaks to people who he knows that have picked up Shenmue, you know, just recently and like played it in the modern era, and they kind of they complain about the controls being janky and you know the camera being a bit wonky. And he says to them, you know, you've got to take yourself back to to that time to two thousand and one, you know, and, and playing that game and, and realizing what it was doing and what it was trying to achieve and that, you know, is the the video gaming's first genuine interactive living breathing open world. It, it's its legacy is that it's it's influenced so many of the games that have come since that are open world games. Um, and you know, again, it's just about that immersion. Um, try not to break that kind of that link to it being as realistic as possible. Uh, and that's definitely what that that Japanese audio does. Um, and the fact that he's he's swigging a wee kind of Coca Cola in the process. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just it, mate. I think it's like um, I, I know we've spoken about Shenmue a few times before. I know we spoke on our you know our our first episode when we were talking about well, one of the first two episodes when we were talking about Saturn versus Dreamcast. I think Shenmue was one of your picks, and we talked about it then. We yeah. spoke about it when we've had KC on. I think we spoke about it when we had Andrew on. The thing is, it's exactly as you say. It's all about the atmosphere and the immersion. And one of the things that I love about Shenmue 2 and the PAL version is that it retained the Japanese voice track. And even though you know it wasn't that accurate because they're all speaking Japanese, but they're in China and Hong Kong, <laughs> it added to the atmosphere that you were going being transported to somewhere else. You know, you were in this other place. Uh, that which made it a lot more magical. So, yeah, fantastic stuff. Mate. As I said in the return episode, I really need to to play Shenmue again because it's been a couple of years, and uh, I think that may be the way. But yeah, the thing is, I bought the the original Xbox version as well, and wanted, wanted to play it on that. So it sounds like I'm going to be playing it in reverse of what I played back in the <laughs> back in the day, where I played Shenmue One with the English voice track and Shenmue Two with the Japanese one because I played the PAL versions. I'll probably be playing this redub version in Japanese and then the the Xbox One in Amer- in American in, <laughs> in uh, English, I should say. Yeah, no, but I would highly recommend it, mate. Honestly, great stuff. Superb. So. I suppose it's back to me then. Um, it is indeed. This is a mod that I have grown to love 
recently for a game that I've never been overly fond of. Uh, and this is Sonic 3D Director's Cut. Um, and I love that it's the Director's Cut. Now, <laughs> Sonic 3D came out to a, a fairly warm response. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a massive game back in 96 when it came out for the Mega Drive. And I think on the Saturn, uh, he got even got even less of a, of a positive reception. I just love that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember, I think it was on Sonic Flash, uh, Sega Flash, wasn't it? Maybe Volume 5, maybe Volume 4, that they had the one-level demo. Yeah, um, rings a bell. Yeah, it definitely was on there. I think one of the Sega Flashes had a video first, and then there was a playable demo. Yeah, I played the I played the death out of the playable demo, uh, but I didn't actually get the games for a few years, until a few years later. And then after that, after that first level, I realised, well, it's kind of frustrating because you it's not just a case of it's a platformer you need to navigate through the levels you've got to find these birds and then you've got to find knuckles or tails to get to the special stage uh and you know you've got to do it all in one sitting because whether it's mega drive or saturn you don't have a save function which uh just put me off the game and i've got i've got it on both platforms now and uh tried it so many times and it's just one of these things, mate. I think if I got this when I was a teenager or a young kid, <laughs> I probably would have sat down afternoon, 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 and just memorized where all the birds are, um, where all the special stages are, and everything, and just mastered the game. But you know, you know what it's like as an adult. I don't have, I don't have time to do this. No, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still trying to make my way through through uh, Mighty Goose. And that's only, it's only about two hours long. I've been at that for weeks, you know, <laughs> dipping in and out now and again. So, <laughs> but what this is, uh, Sonic Free Director's Cut, and the reason why it's called Director's Cut is it's actually a mod made by John Burton, who's the founder of Traveller's Tales, and was right. the game, he was the game's original director and programmer. Hence, that's why it is the ah, director's, director's cut. cut. Right. So he's put a laundry list of fixes in there. Um, the most prominent one is the fact that uh, that you can save the game now. It's a password save. Um, it does mean that my phone is now filled up with screenshots of of Sonic 3D with uh, the odd password screen on there. But um, it just lets you go at the game at your own pace. Then, so I was I've been playing this pretty much every day, uh, trying to make my way through it um, and just taking my time. Um, sometimes the levels take about nine minutes to get through. Um, and back in the day, it would have been, I probably would have been getting pissed off with it. But um, playing it now with the password system, I'm happy to just roam about. And you know what? The game is so much better for it. Now, I know uh, there's other things in there, like they've added a, a level editor, which is crazy. Um, you've got, uh, if you get all the Chaos Emeralds, uh, you can unlock uh, you can unlock Supersonic. So, which wasn't in the original game. Um, so he's been souped up. He's got unique animations. He's got unique commands. Um, it's just, uh, it's just so. It's such an improvement on the original game. Uh, and I think the original game was probably good. I don't think, I, you know, if it, as I say, it probably came out the wrong time for me, or I probably picked it up at the wrong time. Uh, but playing this one, it's just so much easier to get into, and it's just, it's transformative. Just how having a save having a save engine and there's other changes as well changes to the way that enemies react um that just makes it a lot more pleasant to get through uh, even compared to the saturn demo um I, I only wish that we could get this kind of director's cut for the saturn version so uh, john if, if you're listening out there <laughs> um 
yeah, can you do this for the Saturn version, please? I know you're busy with the Lego games at the moment, but <laughs> yeah, but I mean that the adness of function that definitely does change the game, you know, dramatically. It lets you kind of explore a bit more and kind of you know you don't have to kind of quite worry about as you say memorizing layouts and obviously you know <laughs> i know it's like an old school way you used to play games you know save you don't have to save <laughs> if you turn the power off you have to start again <laughs> it's like yeah. um but no that that would be really beneficial that'd be a great mod if someone could put that in the Saturn version as well, absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, there's other things like Sonic's a bit faster in it. Um, the boss battles were made a little bit more manageable because you know Robotnik is always on camera before it's centered on Sonic, so you can always see Robotnik in them. So there's a laundry list of little cheap little tweaks, so it just makes it a lot more pleasant. Now, the thing is, John's still, I think he's still working at Traveler's Tale since that's why I mentioned the, the Lego comment. Um, I know he does his game hut. Uh, YouTube's page, which is fantastic. If anyone's, yeah, yeah. If anyone's seen that, um, it's 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 brilliant stuff. So, but the fact that he dipped out of out of that in his own spare time to go back and mod this game uh, is is uh, you know really really says what he thinks about the game. He must uh, he must cherish it a great deal. Or for he must hold a special place in his in his heart for him. Um, so it's a uh, it's a labour of love, I think. It's uh, and it's something, you know. We've talked a lot about fans coming in and modding this sort of stuff. Uh, and I know that the uh, the episode I think is called Fan Mods. Um, is it possible to be a fan of your own of your own creation? Uh, <laughs> Mod your own work. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. But this, I think, the benefit for this is that this is coming from the original creator. So there's an, an extra degree of authenticity behind it. Yeah, and that's whenever you said directors cut. I thought that's a bold claim, you know, from, <laughs> from from a fan mod, but it literally is from the, the the director of the of the actual original code that went out. So you, you kind of get more authentic than that, really. Yeah. Oh, it's funny, mate, because there is actually a, a game called uh, Director's Cut, which wasn't actually made by the game's director, uh, and it's a travesty. <laughs> and that <laughs> is uh, that is Sonic Adventure DX Director's Cut. Oh right, yeah. So uh, I think Izuka was the uh, was the director on the original Sonic Adventure, um, and he wasn't involved in the DX remake for the GameCube or PC, P- Xbox 360, PS3, uh, everything else that's come out on. So yeah, director's cut is a complete misnomer on there. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's changed. That 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 version of Sonic Adventure is a is a bloody abortion anyway. I can't stand that version. It's, it's, no. it's, it, it annoys me the fact that that's the version that everyone plays. Aye. Then, People reference then, that one the most, I think, when they don't kind of go right towards it. They recognise it as a Dreamcast game, but um, they tend to talk about the DX version and the PC versions as well. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, play, the, play the Dreamcast version, guys. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, so this is a proper director's cut. Uh, authentic as a, as a mod as you can probably get really improves the game so yeah another one mate absolutely recommend this definitely look into that one so mate it's uh it's back over to you for the for the last of your three and uh, i think i've got an idea of what it is yeah i mean i've also went with mortal kombat for for one of my choices um and another game that for me just kind of signifies that whole sort of 16 bit era um, and it is Street Fighter 2 remastered by Pyron, who has done an insane job. Um, again, very similar 
to the Mortal Kombat arcade port. Um, a lot of stuff being cleaned up. Mainly, again, the audio. Um, getting a lot of love because, again, like the Mega Drive has this rep for having bad mix sampling for audio. Um, and Champion Edition, when it came out, the audio was very kind of scratchy and nowhere near as clear as what you got on the Super Nintendo. But what you know, Pyron's done, he's went back in and literally just replaced all the, the audio with with arcade audio. Um, there's been gameplay changes as well, you know, timing, you know, certain moves, you know, charge time being fixed for, for Turbo's version of, of Guile for his Sonic Boom. Um, other wee kind of things like Bison's portrait has been restored to its arcade version. Animation frames have been revised. Um, all the characters have got a new alternate colour in the Turbo version. Um, all the scenarios have been redone. There's now new art, more objects, more animations, more simultaneous colours on screen. There's a new HUD with new fonts and new text. The character select maps being upgraded, and you know, um, the, the mini portraits on the select scene have been updated with better detail and more shading. Um, Blanca's mini portrait has been amended back to what it was in the arcade. Um, Balrog's references to Mike Tyson have been restored, which were removed. That includes new colours based on that era of, of when Mike Tyson was active. So just loads of wee things that are, that are put in there, just again, to kind of make that, you know, again, for me, the kind of definitive 16-bit version of Street Fighter. Um, the size of the file itself, from looking at it, it would have been a ridiculous size of cartridge just because of that arcade audio being on there alone. Um, but again, just so many changes um, and tweaks and the attention to detail that someone can sit down and love Street Fighter 2 that much and love the Mega Drive that much that they want to identify all of these little areas and kind of potential places they can tweak and make something better is absolute testament to them. The The list that I've kind of been reading off there isn't even all of the changes. There's so many more, um, you know, again, just to bring it right up to scratch to make it as arcade perfect uh, as possibly can be given the hardware. So again, another one to check out. That's Street Fighter 2 Remastered Edition. Oh, it's an, it's an absolute masterpiece, that one. Um, Pyron is an absolute legend and i think that that's been a labor of love he first did a color hack i think for street fighter 2 a number of years ago uh, and have been plugging away at it since then he's done so many uh hacks for the mega drive but this is this is his piece de resistance it's <laughs> absolutely incredible um i remember when i first saw it and uh yeah i was i was I had to have it, so I've got that one loaded on the other drive. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, I think some of the the the, the it's like a, a, a fresh coat of paint. Some of the white stuff, like the life bars and the uh, and the victory icons, um, just really gives it some individuality. But mm -hmm. also, you know, when you dig down into it, it just feels like the most authentic version of Street Fighter Two on uh, on a sixteen bit platform. I mean, I I went into this a couple of weeks ago on a, on a, on a on a blog post that the Mega Drive port is the best port of the original Street Fighter 2 um, just because it's more authentic gameplay wise and this just ramps that up this just makes means that this is you know the 16-bit version of, of Street Fighter 2 to play without a doubt 
the the sound samples, the the music, the gameplay. It's it's just all fantastic stuff. No, definitely highly recommended. Loads of videos on YouTube as well um, to check out. Um, just obviously, for for where you can you know obtain it and and how to actually you know implement the the mod on there as well um, for your version of the game, but. You really worth if you love Street Fighter 2, if you love the Mega Drive, um, and it's something you want to kind of revisit, definitely check out the, the YouTube stuff out there uh, and have a look at it, and you'll be directed in the in the right way to to, to mm-hmm. obtain that and, and obviously enjoy it. But as it it's fantastic, definitely the definitive 16 bit version of Street Fighter 2, and again, it's great. Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter 2, I think, are they weren't just as we've we've used the term on this show many times they, they're, they're not just games they were cultural events oh, again you know they are phenomenons that no one at the time they came out could have foreseen they would go on to endure the way they have but um they were just two games that to me as a kind of as approaching my teenage years um beginning and being on the amiga and, and wanting the mega drive and that whole story and they were the kind of games that I, I really wanted to to play on on the Mega Drive, um, and obviously didn't get a chance to play them on that. Did play them on the Amiga and things like that. Played them at friends' houses, and and you know my, my best mate's cousin had a, a Mega Drive two with with Champion Edition and, and two six button controllers, and that was the closest I ever got to to kind of having a, a regular shot on the, the Mega Drive version. So those two kind of resonated with me because it kind of did rekindle and kind of re-spark that wee kind of memory of that era that mm. I, did, I missed out on them back then on the Mega Drive. But now today I can enjoy these really fantastic fan mod, labour of love, you know, versions that these guys have put together. So, you know, Master Linkway, Pyron, you know, thank you. Your work is absolutely incredible. Yeah, they truly are legends, mate. Uh, I don't think he, the uh, the the file size for uh, Street Fighter Two Remaster is even that big. It's it plays in the thirty two X fine, which uh, has a fit sometimes if you put large large uh, <laughs> large cart styles as far as in there. I mean, uh, was it Ultimate Mortal Kombat Free Trilogy? Is one that it's like it's got every single character from all the Mega Drive Mortal Kombat games, and uh, you just turn that on in the thirty two X, it just goes nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the comic book guy for something. You will remove this cartridge from my slut immediately. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it just it just gives you a message there saying no, no, just get off, get this off me. <laughs> like that. It's like um, that that kind of clip I sent you whenever. Uh, was that I sent you the, the picture someone put on Twitter that they've released a hot pink Sega Saturn case? <laughs> That's like in the words of Dr. Cox, no, no chance, no way, Jose, no chance, Lance, and in the words of men falling off of a cliff. No! That's like, get it away from me. So that's what the 32X is like. Nah, just take that away, man. Yeah, it's like Ultra Magnus, mate. I can't deal with that now. <laughs> Aye. Aye. Sweeps terminate him. Yeah, exactly. Aye. <laughs> yeah, but oh, mate, I, could whack, I think we could wax on about so many of these, but I think we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at those top favorite six for now. I mean, they're the three that I've pl- played the most and obviously the three that you've played the most, as mm-hmm. you say, Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, absolutely phenomenal. And especially massive pieces of our childhood growing up and Shenmue. I mean, 
the, the, what more can we say that hasn't been said? We've mentioned it so many times across so many episodes. So doing extremely special things for extremely special games, it's uh, it's wonderful stuff. But uh, there's always more on the way. And uh, I think we were going to finish off by just talking about a couple on the, on the way, which just seem more impressive, more amazing, mm-hmm. and just more phenomenal than than anything we've seen so far. Yeah. Um, the first one um, is obviously, again, it's on YouTube. You can follow the progress of, of these guys are putting out the updates all the time with the kind of progress of it. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, there is a Mega Drive port of Final Fight. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks absolutely and sounds absolutely incredible. It looks un- unbelievable. Um, when I first saw the first, you know, the intro and the first 10 seconds of gameplay, I was thinking, oh, I wonder what this is on. The Mega Drive? What? <laughs> um, it looks like it has more sprites on screen than the Mega CD version. Um, the color of it looks fantastic, considering it's a Mega Drive game. And uh, yeah, it it really puts the Super Nintendo port to shame. <laughs> it's yeah. unbelievable. It's a, has, it has all three characters. It does. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to buy a separate version just to get Guy. And you have a two-player mode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's all in there. Um, nothing has been cut back or left out. Again, it's just... I watched it and I'm sitting going, this, this, can't, this can't be real. This has got to be got to be a joke it's like honestly guys go on youtube after the show finishes and and check it out um it is if you've not checked it already you've not seen it your jaw will hit the floor um it's insane to see a port of final fight running this well on stock mega drive hardware yeah it's unreal so it's called um ultimate final fight yeah um because the guy the guy's pretty active on twitter um I think it's Mauro Xavier uh, is, his, is his handle. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's got speed settings in it, like Street Fighter 2 Turbo style. <laughs> so you'll fight Turbo. Yeah, so, and, and, and when you select the speed on the screen, the, the colour of the screen changes, just like, um, just like uh, Turbo on the SNES. Um, and he was talking about... Uh, <laughs> Uh, someone asked him how many characters he can get on screen. Uh, like the snares back in the day was restricted to two, I think it's two or three um, <laughs> enemies on the screen. Uh, this he said that he had the two player characters, so the two players and six sprites. He said he could probably get get eight, but there'd be screen flicker. I was just thinking that's ins- that's absolutely insane. That's that, crazy. Um, and yeah, he was talking about uh, releasing a physical version. I think he still wants to, but the cart size is something like 64 megabytes or something. Mm. Uh, I'm sure I read that. Like he's, he's going to try and see if like, maybe Capcom might take him up on it, but obviously if, if they if they don't allow that, then there's no way he can sell it, so it would just have to get released um, you know, to the to the mod public and let them kind of obviously distribute it however um, they see fit. Um, but again, you know, it's we've seen that there's definitely a market for, you know, new Mega Drive games. Look at Paprium. You yeah. know, I know there was obviously, I think there's <clears throat> there a few issues with certain people's orders and um, some cartridges arrived and didn't work and things like that. Um, but in the main, there's still a market for, you know, 
brand new game. So I mean, Capcom or link up with the guy and <laughs> bring it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would. My Mega Drive's got a 50, 60 hertz switch and I never drive it, so it's not like my Saturn the Dreamcast where I can't play original games. If if that came out on a cartridge fully boxed for retail, a hundred percent, I would buy it because yeah, Final Fight, mate was an arcade game, very special to me because it was one of three arcade games in the foyer of the hotel in France that I stayed in mm-hmm. in the primary seven school trip. When one of my teachers came downstairs steaming, um, rambling about for spare change because me and one of the boys that was at school with that were at the trip had got to the last level and we ran out of money. <laughs> and... Um, if Mrs. Livingston, I don't think she'll still be with us. She was quite old back then. Um, but yeah, we were standing there, and my good friend at the time decided he wanted to hit the buttons, um, and obviously it made the counter go down quicker. And the the oh, stick no. of the stick of dynamite, um, you know, obviously um, was was not extinguished before a couple of francs were tossed in a direction to, <laughs> to stick in the machine. So, oh, no. Um, aye, so, again, Final Fight's the kind of game I just, another one of these games you look back at and I, I've played it on the Amiga at home and you try your best to kind of skew your mindset and make your, yourself think it was the same experience as the arcade, but this this mod is just insane. There's even a mod, it's a port. It's it's just, a port. It's, it's that's a, the thing, it's not even a fan mod. It's a it's a full-on port <laughs> of a game that never actually came out on the system. I don't think um I don't think it was ever in contention ever. I think this is from the ground up, which is just unbelievable mm-hmm. the work that's going to it. But uh I think well as amazing as that is as <laughs> a sixteen bit game. So you can imagine that kind of era. It was on the Super Nintendo, albeit cut back, but it still existed in the 16-bit era. The next one, mate, which I'll allow you to to tell our listeners, is ridiculous. Yes, so we were talking about how impressive it is to bring a CPS-1 cabinet uh, game to the to the genesis or mega drive you know this is a this is a arcade hardware that shared uh processors and architecture with the mega drive um which <laughs> what's unbelievable is a cps2 game coming to the mega drive and that is street fighter alpha um <laughs> james you sent me this video and i could not believe what i was seeing no um I think my my message when I sent you was WTF is this? <laughs> it's like I'm like I could not believe what I was seeing. Um, again, you know, it's got that classic kind of Mega Drive audio on there. The you know the the way Mega Drive sounds got a unique sound to it. Um, but it looks the the animation frames are obviously stripped back because you know. In the Street Fighter Alpha was that series was was gorgeous. Whenever it came out on obviously the arcade and it came with the Saturn and also the PlayStation One. But um, I think whenever the first time I seen Street Fighter Alpha on the Saturn, I was kind of struck at how it looked like a, an anime show. Yeah, it was very stylized, very anime style, smooth, fluid animation. But even with the kind of frames taken out of it. It still looks absolutely stunning on the Mega Drive for this port. I don't know how they've done it. And again, if you've not heard of this and not seen any footage of it, go to YouTube and type in Street Fighter Zero or Street Fighter Alpha Mega Drive and just prepare to be blown away. It's ridiculous. 
yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, just the, the sprites, the colours, everything just it just does has no right to look that good. Uh looks really fluid as well. Um obviously Street Fighter Alpha 2 came to the SNES, uh, but that was with the benefit of loads of extra hardware, the uh, Super FX chips, uh mm -hmm. yep. S, S Super FX chip two or whatever it was was being used and that's got massive compression issues. Have you have you ever seen it where um they uh the, the game starts but it has to load in between rounds? Yes. So it goes round one and it freezes. <laughs> round one. Fight <laughs> Actually because the the announcer guy in that round two <laughs> it's like yeah. I it's uh, either loading is abysmal on the, the SNES version. It's just, yeah. I don't know what, what the point it was, whether it was to show off and try and flex a wee bit to show that they could have that on there, but it's by no means playable, really, is it? If you're, that's the thing with these games, the arcade games, the rapid fire, you know, it's meant to be one round mm -hmm. end, you're straight into it again, adrenaline pumping, you've just been had the dung kicked at you, you want to get right back out of the fight? No, hold on, we load it. <laughs> it's, no, it's just not a great experience at all. No, I mean it's it it's not that bad, um, but yeah, it's 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 not the way that you want to play it, especially with all the slowdown and the, and the, the the pauses in between rounds and everything. There's quite a funny video that Maximilian Do did on it, um, where he has all his mates around. There's a bunch of them all in the room, and every time the game pauses, they all like turn them into statues. They all like like they all just pause and whatever it is that they're doing. <laughs> It's, it's great but yeah this this mega drive version of alpha one looks looks like it looks amazing the sprites look um look bigger than the than the snes game so uh yeah again very talented people behind it i'm not sure who's behind that one though i can't find as much information no um the name escapes me as well it was just i say i came across it in that video so apologies um if by any chance the the creator is maybe listening to this, but um, no, it's, it's stellar work. And again, something that I think will be kind of more long-winded. I don't think we'll see that one released um, for quite some time. I think there's a lot of kind of progress to be made on that, but um, exciting to see, you know, the fact that this has been done with no additional hardware, like the like Paprium, that cartridge has got additional hardware in it. That's why you can't run any other version of it that's why you have to buy that cartridge it's got additional hardware in there to, to run it as it does um but this, these are people that are doing this on just stock hardware it's just insane yeah it's unreal mate um it really is um but yeah it's just like so it's just like all the others that we talked about on this list just unbelievable so it just seems like mods are getting better and better as, as they go along yeah, and just a disclaimer as well, that if you are trying these modifications out, please ensure that you own the original cartridge and are not uh, partaking in any form of piracy. The Sega guys do not endorse or condone any form of piracy. Thank you. Indeed, mate. So <laughs> <laughs> we will leave it there for our listeners then. Um hope everyone's enjoyed listening to the show. I mean, mate, we could probably go on about another, another 6, 8, 10, 12 of these, couldn't we? So... Oh yeah, mate, we had to pick three each out of a list of about what ten or twelve. Um, so we've, we've definitely got more in there. Um, that we could, I mean, a wee honourable mention for one I was torn between was Teenage Mutant yeah. Ninja Turtles of Rage, <laughs> which Streets of Rage two, but replaced the four characters with the four turtles. Or Streets of Rage two and replaced the four the four characters with the Simpsons. 
<laughs> oh, I imagine that, man. No, it's, it's, it's a mod. Is it? Yeah. Oh, Simpsons, Simpsons Arcade meets Streets of Rage 2. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. It's out there, mate. Yeah, oh. I was going to say, there's so many. So, listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, if you want us to hear us talk about more mods that we've enjoyed uh, in detail, just drop us a line. Uh, you can catch me at Swooper underscore D. You can catch James at the Sagaholic. And you can catch us both at the Sega Guys. Um, for those listening to us, over your podcast, podcasting platform of choice or on Radio Sega. Thank you very much for tuning in and we'll speak to you soon. Sega! <laughs>